Hey, once you open your Bible with me, I want you to look with me in uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 6. And we're, I'm wanting to shift your thinking to begin to understand things about the kingdom of God. If we don't see our walk with God as being part of a kingdom and get a kingdom perspective, we will soon be reduced to church attenders. Jesus said very little about the church, but he said an immense amount about the kingdom. His message was the kingdom. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, the message is about the kingdom. And as believers, we need to get a grasp on what this means. And so I started sharing a little last week. I want to carry on today. And I want to raise, I was trying to work out what to title up. What I'm going to call the message today is this. It's called the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. You'll see where we're going as we share some of this and how it connects with the kingdom of God. Let's have a look in Exodus chapter 19 and uh, in verse 4 through to 6. God says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bought you with weagles wings and bought you to myself. Weagles wings. Well, there we go. How about that? I'm starting to, I must need better glasses or something. Weagles wings. Dear Lord Jesus. Well, I could have said beagles wings, I suppose, didn't I? You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings. I got it. There we go. And brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. You should be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So, talk, first of all, God speaks and he says, I want you to remember how I saved you. So God's saying to you today, I want you to recollect how I saved you, but I didn't just save you so you could get on with your life. I saved you for a distinct purpose. And so I, I won't develop all of it. I want to pick up one aspect only. He said, he said, I bought you to myself. In other words, God's first priority is that you come into relationship with him. And he says, I, uh, he says you will be a special treasure to me above all people. And that word special treasure is an unusual word. It's the word segular in the Hebrew. And it's the word used when a, when a, a, a prospective husband would propose to his wife and he would make the statement, you are a special treasure to me. And she knew what was coming, the proposal. So you will find these same words are stated again in the New Testament and accompanying that also, it's also in the same context that you will be a kingdom of priests. Now, so God has called us to become something. You are in the stage of becoming something. Now, he has already brought us into his kingdom. He has already made you a king and a priest. You don't have to do anything to become a king and a priest. You just need to understand what you are, and what you're called to do, and how to function in it. And then you fulfill God's purpose for your life. So let's just carry this a little further. And as we go down, we see that God's plan is to bring us into part of a kingdom. Where a kingdom we saw was a kingdom as a realm or a territory that a king rules over. So God's original intent with Adam was he would start in the Garden of Eden, and out of relationship, he would expand God's kingdom through the earth. 
When Adam failed, now God picks up a nation of Israel, and he says, now you will be a unique and a special people. And they still are a unique and a special people, and there's still a contention. All this contention in the Middle East is all centered around this whole thing that God's people are a covenant people. They're a special people, and the devil hates that and wants to attack it. You can really summarize it really quite simple. When we become the people of God, we're part of a kingdom, and we're in conflict with another kingdom. There is no neutral ground. What you think is neutral is actually a place of defeat and failure to advance. And I'll get on to that in another message. So you notice he's called us a kingdom of priests. A priest is a person who comes before God. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. I want you to see in Hebrews chapter 3, it tells us, Now consider Jesus, beloved, you holy brethren, partakers in the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now notice he says, have a think about or consider or fix your attention on Jesus Christ. And it finds two roles. It says he's the apostle and the high priest. So in other words, now an apostle, we, we tend, again, you've got to get your understanding clear. For those who heard the word apostle, it's, it's a word that can't be translated from the original language. So they just take the original word and make it English, anglicize it. Apostolos, apostle. And, of course, we lose the meaning totally. So let me explain to you what it meant to those who heard it. An apostle, or the word apostello, to send, it was associated with a Roman general who went out on behalf of the kingdom of Rome to conquer enemy territories, invade them, overcome them, and then establish the culture of Rome and the legal system of Rome and the whole economics of Rome in that place. So if a general went out to war, a Roman general, he was apostello. He was apostolically commissioned. So notice it says Jesus, the apostle. In other words, he operated as a king advancing a kingdom. That's why his message was a kingdom. So his whole message is that there is a kingdom the kingdom of God, where there is life and blessing and, and a healing and release and prosperity and abundance and freedom, it is there, available for you here and now. That's an amazing thing. For people who are living in sickness, in, in torment, in oppression, in poverty, in disasters, in all kinds of things, this is a great message that available now is a remedy for it. And so his message is, that the reality of the kingdom of heaven is available now. And he not just taught it, he demonstrated it. The power of God flowed to touch lives. And we'll, we'll look at some aspects of that because these are things God wants us to operate in increasing measures. Increasing measures. So all of us are called into relationship with God and we're to consider Jesus. Jesus functioned as a priest to God and he functioned as a king. He had dominion over the water, dominion over the fish, dominion over sickness, dominion over the disease. He went out to establish territory for the Father, and then he commissioned others to do it. That's why it says, think about him. So he has not only functioned as a priest, but he also functioned as a king. And we're going to identify the ministry of a, of a, of a king and a priest separately. So in Revelations chapter 1 and verse 5, these are familiar verses, but I'm going to open up and show you what it involves for you personally in your day-to-day -day life. 
So Revelations chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6. And here it says, and it says the book of Revelations, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says, verse, uh, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him and loved us, washed us from our sins, and has, it's already done. He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. God, Jesus, when you received him, positioned you in the kingdom of God where you are already a king and a priest. Notice it's, again, if you just take another look in, in Revelations chapter 5, and uh, it says, uh, verse 9 and 10, uh, and they sang, these are people, the saints in heaven said, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seal, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And where are we going to reign? Where will we reign? We will reign on earth. So here's a question for you. Does your reign on earth begin when you die and go to heaven? Or does it begin now? And if it begins now, how does that look in your life? What would you be doing different? You wouldn't be living under the circumstances, under the feelings, under the weather. You would be ruling those things. We'll get on to that king part of it a little bit later. I want to get on to the priest part. So he's made us king. So, uh, so a king is a person who has a territory to rule over. So later on, we want to ask, what does it mean to be a king? What is the territory God has given you? And how do you exercise dominion in it? And then are you doing that? Getting quiet now, isn't it, eh? Okay, so a priest. A priest is a person who goes before God. Let's have a look what a priest is. I want to focus primarily on the priesthood now. Now, this is a very important one, uh, that you are a priest. And, of course, the moment you use the word priest, now we've got some problems straight away with the word. And let's have a read in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 4. Now you, that's believers, coming to Jesus as a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices through Christ Jesus. Verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There it is, special people. So let's just, first couple of points. In the Old Testament, in the ministry of Jesus, and in the New Testament, it's very clear God's design is that one, you are called into covenant relationship, a marriage, intimacy, and friendship with him, out of which you will function in two ways. One, as a priest, whatever that means, and two, as a king. God called you to function and represent him in the earth as a royal priesthood. In other words, that's a fraternity of people who come from a kingly line. So, all of this stuff about your low esteem and your bad background and all that kind of stuff, that's all baggage the devil is hanging on you. Jesus said, that old man died. I've created a new person in you. You need to live out of who you are in me now. And I'm calling you a priest. I'm calling you special treasure. I'm calling you a holy nation. And you may think, well, I'm of no value and I'm not loved. That's not what Jesus said. He says to you, singular, he says, you are my special treasure. 
You are my prized possession. I am in love with you and I have covenant with you like a husband with a wife. And now I'm appointing you to be a king priest in the earth, in Hastings, in Hawke's Bay, wherever you happen to live, if you're listening to this. Eh? Okay then, so then we look at then what a priest does. In verse 5, it tells us there, a priest is someone who offers up spiritual sacrifices. You are, as living stones are built up, you are a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, when we think uh, in our culture, we think of a priest, the word priest has been, the the understanding of it has been stripped by religious systems. So when I think of a priest, it's all I can do to stop thinking of someone in robes. I was raised with that whole deal of robes. There's robes and there's a rail and you don't dare go where that priest is. The priest is a special person and you're the ordinary people. And should you by any chance get to be one of the older boys, you'll get up there next to the priest seeing what he does and so on. Now, this is the legacy of a religious system which separated out a certain class of people who were to be special and minister to God, and then the laity who weren't. This is a doctrine that Jesus hates. In Revelation 3, he says, you hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans to conquer the ordinary people. He said, I hate it. So without realizing it, we have mostly bought into a thing that priests and ministers are sort of some unattainable role that some few people have, but that's not me. I'm an ordinary person. That's not God's view. In fact, men and women gave their lives to establish the truth that all believers are priests. The priesthood of all believers is one of the great doctrines that came through in the years following the Reformation of Martin Luther. It was to break the hold of clergy and give ordinary people an understanding God has called you to access his presence and to act as a minister of God. Hence, in the New Testament, the Bible says, you are a minister of God. There's no such thing in God's eyes as people who aren't ministers. You are a minister of God. All it really is is whether you're functioning as that or whether you don't understand it and you're not functioning as it. God's intention is all believers could flow with the power of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, now the gifts of the Spirit are given to every man. If God is giving you the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's because he's positioned you as a king, a priest, a builder who knows what to do with that. The great challenge is to break down structures which were built not just in uh, traditional churches, But unfortunate, in Pentecostal churches, the same kind of thinking has emerged. And so ministers that move strongly and powerfully in the anointing are elevated in the eyes of people to the point of idolatry, and at the same time they elevate someone up, they then reduce their own role and what they will be called to do. We have to get back the understanding, fivefold ministry gifts, no matter how anointed, should be judged by just one thing, Are they equipping the saints for the work of ministry? That's what God called them to do. 
So the dilemma is in the Pentecostal churches is elevating his right to honor certain giftings and so on, but God wants all his body to be honored. He wants to honor you because you're a minister of God. He calls you to bring God's presence to people. He calls you to overcome demons wherever you are. He calls you to act as his representative. He calls you to be a priest unto him. And that's something to get established very clearly in our mind and heart. Now, so it's nothing to do with robes and garments and special people and titles and positions and functioning up on altars. This has to do with a relationship with God. So we look at what a priest does, and then fortunately, the Bible actually explains very simply what being a priest to God is. So everyone can do it. It's not hard. I'm glad it's not hard. I don't like hard things. Most of the things in the kingdom are not hard at all. Here's an interesting thing to understand. When he says in verse 5, it says, you're to offer spiritual sacrifices. A sacrifice always costs you something. With a sacrifice... Like, like if I've got $1,000 and I give it away 10, that wasn't a sacrifice. It didn't cost, it's just like, a, it's nothing. It's not sacrifice. Sacrifice always costs you something. The nature of it was something slain and lost its life. That was a sacrifice. So for some people, $10 is a huge sacrifice. For others, it's nothing. Didn't even notice. So that's why the amount or what you do, what you give, whatever, cannot be, that's not what's important. What is important is our heart behind it. A spiritual sacrifice is something you let go of and lose your power over it because you've given it to God. If you retain your power over it, you haven't sacrificed it. See, a sacrifice, it's dead. It ain't any more use to you. You can't use it for anything. It's gone. It was consumed on it. In the Old Testament, they take the lamb and they would cut its throat, shed the blood, they put it on the altar, and then they'd offer it up, and then it consumed. It's burned. There's nothing left. In other words, you don't get anything back from that thing. See, now a lot of Christians, any giving they do has got an agenda in it. So therefore, it's not a sacrifice, it's actually a trade. It's a manipulative trade where the agenda is not clear until later. You know people like that? Here's the thing, you want to think, and I'll get to the tithes part and the, and the offering. If, if you're giving to God to get something from him, you've, you're not actually making a sacrifice. You're actually doing a trade. You're trying to deal with God. And Christians all over fail to function as a priest because they're forever trying to deal with God. The, the deal with God is simple. Jesus did the work. I've just got to rest in that and then learn how to who I am, what I need to do now to live it out. Come on. See? Do you have a covenant with God? Or does Jesus have a covenant with the Father and we're sharers in that covenant? That he's done all the work. Our part's just to believe and live it out. Wow, you're getting quiet now. Okay then. So here's an, before I move on to what the function of the priest is, let me give you a very, very simple thing. Whenever there is genuine spiritual sacrifice, power is released. That is the principle. God set it in place. Sacrifice that's authentic and done with faith releases power. And so we need to understand how that works, very simply. Now, there's all kinds of examples through the Bible, and in my notes, which you'll be able to download at some point, let me just give a few of them. Samuel made an offering and a sacrifice, and the power of God was released, and every demonic power hold, or motivating 
Philistines was overthrown. They never invaded Israel after he made that sacrifice. Power was released. David made a sacrifice. Fire came from heaven. Solomon made a sacrifice. Fire came from heaven. David said, I won't offer anything. It didn't cost me something. See, we want an add-on God. I'd like the whole life the way it is, and I want to add a bit of God on so it'll just be the cream on the cake. But that's not the deal with God. The deal with God is a marriage. I gave up my old life to enter a new life in relationship. You imagine what kind of marriage it would be if, if your wife still had all her boyfriends, all, of, all the deals, everything. there was no shared life. She just had a little bit of time with you when it suited. It's not going to work. You know that's not going to work. So with God, he enters into covenant with us so we can become something on his behalf, a priest and a king. Okay, so through the Bible, power is always connected to sacrifice. That's why the, uh, that's why the Satanists will offer sacrifice, because I know there's power release, demonic power. Power and sacrifice are connected. So if you want to reign as a king, learn how to function as a priest so you have power in your life. If we don't learn how to function as a priest to God, then we never have power in our life. This is the bane of the church, is believers with no power of God operating in them and through them. Living a contented, come to a meeting, do the best I can, and I'm not doing that bad. Now, this is not a faith life where I'm committed to love God and to honor Him and to seek to expand and increase His influence in everywhere around me. So people, I've, you know, people ask this interesting question, and I can just shump some of them down. So, well, what are you going to do after you retire at the end of the year? I thought, retire? 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 What are you talking about? I'm just upping my role to take on more. I'm not moving away. I'm lift, we're lifting up to shift to increase our influence by not doing things which now are not part of what we should be doing. You don't, in God, just retire. You retire, they write it on you. Uh, you, 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 you know, your grave, retired in peace. You know? But before that, you work and you serve and, until the day you die. I remember John Steele's mother. I remember going there, man, she was full of the Holy Ghost, even till the end as she was giving up and she, was, she died from cancer. But I tell you, go into that place, you'd feel the presence of God, you'd come away blessed. See, we're all called to carry God's presence somehow. And the core of it is understanding your role first as a priest and then as a king. So even you find with Jesus, Jesus, the Bible says when he died on the cross, this is what happened, great power was released into the earth. There was an earthquake. The graves opened up. The, 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 the temple, the, the, the veil ripped in two. Power is always connected with sacrifice. You can't have a greasy deal. You can't get in on the cheap. Jesus paid a price of his whole life. He came out of heaven, gave his whole life. What kind of sacrifice if I just give him my leftovers? What kind of deal is that? Shame on you for thinking that way. I read in the internet of people challenged with forsake Christ or die in the most horrible way. They died in a horrible way. And I feel ashamed that we live such a low level of sacrifice in our nation. Some of the things you read are appalling, but they're an incredible challenge to what following Christ looks like. 
I'm here to live for him, die for him, and give my life for him. So how do we do this thing of spiritual sacrifices? Well, you've got to, first of all, own that you're called to be a priest, and part of priests do priestly things, but make sacrifices. So let me give you just a few of them. And uh, there's about five that I've picked up, and uh, I'll just give them to you quite briefly. How do we function? We function as a priest because we love God. <laughs> it's out of love. And here's the first thing. In, in Romans 12 verse 1, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That means I make myself available to God to serve. It's available to serve. A lot of people are not available. They're too busy with their own agendas. And the core to being available to serve is getting a hold that I'm born purpose. I have an assignment unique to me. We'll have to talk about that. You need to discover what God assigned you to do. He didn't assign you to do the same as the guy next to you. He's given you something of your own. Look at Bill. There he is. And there he's doing this thing and reaching out to people. That's his assignment. And if he does that and is fruitful in that, then his life is honoring to God. Your assignment will be a different assignment. It's unique to you. Your responsibility is to discover it. So present your body. It only says present your body. It doesn't mean you can leave the rest of you out. Wherever your body goes, you go too. Your soul and your spirit go. So what it's really saying is it's make yourself available to God day by day to serve Him, to be able to speak and act on His behalf. You first present yourself to God. Now, there's certain ways you can pray. I pray consciously most days to, take, uh, to yield each aspect of my spirit and my soul and my body. And in doing so, I become conscious of them and begin to speak over my life God's word in a number of areas. You can do that too. But a shorter thing is it means to become available, to honor God by the way you live. So if you, if you neglect your body by overeating, not doing exercise, being lazy, that's not presenting your body a sacrifice to God. If you're never available to serve God because your schedule's too busy, that's not presenting yourself a living sacrifice. Now, you've got to realize that for most people, their work life is where they serve God. That's where you need to be a living sacrifice. It costs you to live out a life honoring God in the workplace. People laugh at you. They give you a hard time sometimes. These are, these are the sorts of things. And every time you say, Jesus, I'm here to represent you, and I just thank God for this opportunity in this place, you're a living sacrifice. So being a living sacrifice isn't such a difficult thing. It's just saying, my life's not my own. I'm bought with a price. I belong to the Lord. I'll honor him today. And you honor him in keeping yourself well and presenting yourself well, but particularly in being available to God as he has need of you to represent him well. Christians who show up in the workplace in a way that really puts people off, that's not presenting your body a living sacrifice. That's actually living in, a, in an immature and an ungodly way. So present your body a living sacrifice every day. Here I am, Lord. I'm fronting up. Jesus did it. He presented his body. He, he washed feet. He served people. He spent hours and hours and hours of ministry until he was very tired and exhausted. Some people have got very little capacity. They do one little thing and they're very tired. 
Well, you can grow your capacity. You can expand your capacity. And you should consider how to expand your capacity, not be planning how you can shrink. Because God's plan, it says, of the increase of his government, no end. Therefore, for all of us, increasing fruitfulness should be a part of our natural course of our life. So, second one, praise and worship. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So here's another spiritual sacrifice, and that is praise and thanksgiving. So some people think praise and thanksgiving is what you do when you come into a meeting. No, no, no. It's actually a way of life, being thankful to the Lord. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus continue. The opposite of thanking is complaining. So God wants us to learn to be thankful because when you're thankful, you focus on the benefits and you increase the value like Dave was talking. You, the Bible says magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. So think about everything you can be thankful for and start developing gratitude to God for the wonderful things you have, not focus on the things you don't have. Man, if you, if you really think you're doing it hard, we should just put you in a helicopter, pluck you up, drop you over in Iraq, and then leave you there, and then see if you're thankful to be brought home. How thankful you will be for a good night's rest. How thankful you will be for a safe bed to sleep in. How thankful you'll be no one's going to shoot at you. How thankful you'll be no one's going to cut your throat. How thankful you'll be that your life is blessed. Well, why do you have to have that kind of experience in order to be thankful? Start to notice the things that you have and be thankful. Be thankful to people. Be thankful for the little things people do. You know, people come and open the door. People are on the door. I'm thankful to them. And I really appreciate musicians. Here they are, 8 o'clock or so, getting ready. I'm so thankful. We have such great musicians. There's so many things to be thankful for. I found Christians to be incredibly unthankful, ungrateful. Just take everything for granted. This is wrong. That's not kingdom. That's living out of a poverty, small mentality. People who are appreciative add value to everyone around them and are incredibly attractive in the kingdom. But not only that, the Bible says there's a protocol for accessing the presence of God. It says in Revelations, in heaven, it's full of what? Silence? No, it's only silent for half an hour. It's full of worship, praise, and thanksgiving. Worthy is the Lamb that was like, you have redeemed us. It's full of acknowledging God and His goodness and grace. So that's the atmosphere of heaven. You want heaven to come to earth, learn to create it through thanksgiving and praise. And it says, notice it says, the fruit of our lips. So if you're silent, that's not being thankful or praising. You can praise the Lord with your body. You can praise the Lord with your mouth. See, but this is what creates atmosphere around our life. Gratitude, praise, acknowledging good things, every good thing in God. Oh my, how God loves to inhabit that. The hardest thing to get a group of people, not here, but in most places I go, you get there and you see there's a religious spirit sitting on people and they're all shut down and it's like there's a cap on it all. I feel like, for goodness sake, jump up out of your seat, run around the place, wake up, wake up, man. But don't just sit there under this heavy religious spirit and there's nothing coming out of you. You know, if you like that, jump up and down or go for a run. I don't care you run around the church. Good on you. Run around and then shout for joy, you know, and get, get into it. 
Musicians need to be all into it. The singers, into it. Every one of us come in here. We want, this is the, we're to bring heaven to earth. Well, that means I need to do what they do in heaven. And then God shows up in it. He inhabits the praises of his people. That means as I get in tune with heaven, heaven shows up here. You don't have to work to get God to come. He's already come. He says, I'm here. The big problem is, is, is when we have negative atmospheres around us. Oh, I don't feel like it. I feel tired. I'm going to do that. See that? So it's a sacrifice when you feel tired. It's a sacrifice when you feel sad. It's a sacrifice to stand up and clap and rejoice and celebrate and enter into that music and give yourself an... It's a sacrifice then. The rest of the time, it's not hard. So as a church, make a decision. As an individual, make a decision every day. Gratitude, praise. Hey, how about that? And then it says, the next thing it says in Hebrews 15, uh, 13 and verse 16, it says, and do good and, uh, and to share. Don't forget to do good and to share for such spiritual sacrifice, God are well pleased. So it, not only being a priest is coming to God with things, prayer and worship and presenting ourselves, it's also about giving to people as well. That means literally help out people who are in distress. To do good. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. He didn't go around doing weird stuff. He helped people. A lot of Christians get anointed and they do weird stuff. And the bottom line to assess out whether it's weird or not, it's not what they're saying. He's asked, did that help you or not? And if it helped the person, then they did good. If it didn't help them, they said, what was that all about? I haven't got a clue what they just said to me or what they did. It was weird. That didn't help. You can't say they did good. They just did their own thing. See, the kingdom of heaven is very practical. If someone needs comfort, comfort them. If someone needs support, support them. Someone needs help, help them. And you can only do that if you're part of the community. Otherwise, you don't know what the needs are. So to do good and to uh, koinonia, to fellowship and share life with one another, is a spiritual sacrifice. Because we all want to be independent and keep our stuff to ourselves. You don't have to train kids to be selfish and independent. They just like that anyway. What you've got to do is learn a different lifestyle, a lifestyle of interacting and sharing in community with people and giving. That's to be learned. And that's what the priests do. Priests go to God, come back and bring blessing. So you, you, you're a blessed person. Show up with people and be nice to them. You know, when someone comes to visit the church, it should not be two people clapping saying, we're happy you're here. And one's the pastor and the other's the pastor's wife. <laughs> we're happy you're here. Everyone else didn't care a toot. Because you're not thinking about the kingdom expanding, just thinking about I'm here and I want my needs met. What kind of low level is that? You know, we're, we're, and that is poverty thinking and poverty living at every, no matter how you look at it. See, anyone comes in here, Mate, you have no idea. It's wonderful. God has drawn them here. You don't know their heart is broken. They're searching. They're looking. And when we say, let's make them welcome, and one person claps. You know, what kind of deal is that? No, I've got to say it. You know, we should be, when, when people come in and you know, we make them welcome, come on, let's really do a good job. Make them welcome. Go up and say hello. Invite them home for lunch. Do all that kind of stuff. Say, do good. Do good. Do good. And the Bible tells us you don't even have to pray about doing good. It says in Galatians chapter 6, it said, as much as you have opportunity, do good. In other words, every time something comes in front of you, you could do good, do good. In Jesus' name. Okay? The, third one, the fourth one is uh, tithes and offerings, giving. 
Giving of your finances or your resources, the bigger picture is your resources. And a lot of people get funny the moment you talk about that. They do a freeze. They do a freeze because money's got hold of them and they're in poverty and fear. What we need to recognize is that we should honor God with what we have, the first fruits of it. The, the first they give to God. It don't come some deal where I just do a little bit and see how it works out. Listen, you're going to honor him or you're not going to honor him. It's going to align with his economics or we're not going to align. So, you know, for us, it's never been an issue. I don't even come under law over it. It's just what I do because that's what we do, but we don't stop there. We put money aside for giving, some aside for family, some aside for missions. It, it, it's like giving is your lifestyle. So make an offering to God. Church has been great over the years. I mean, some things we've done, I, I'm stunned. You know, Pakistan are just amazing, just stunning that of a church this size, we could raise money, put up, a, and influence the world. Oh, that's just stunning. And then, but even here on a personal level, you know, and uh, I own and Bookie, and Bookie went into hospital, and, and, uh, and the church just went whoosh like that. And one in, in about five minutes had raised $11,000 to help them out. Now, that is doing good. But most of it, it's little things. It's just noticing and having the opportunity. So I always think, put your, put your money in order. Put your money in order is to bring it into kingdom alignment. So that means a number of things. One, it means honor God with the first. Whatever you choose to be your first, give God some first. Okay? And then learn how to give. Learn how to be a sower uh, because out of sowing you reap. Learn how to pay your taxes. Jesus paid his tax. Said in Romans 13 to pay your taxes. Learn how to budget and plan your money. Learn how to manage it properly and learn how to save some. That's good kingdom alignment with your finances. Kingdom finances is much more than just you give a tithe and hope God will work it all out for you. That's being irresponsible. What you need to do is to say, God, I want this part of my life to come into divine kingdom alignment as a priest to God. And uh, what's the last one? There must be a last one there. Oh, here it is, obvious one. I didn't quite get them in the right order, I don't think. And the last one is, as, as a priest, you're called to pray and intercede. It's the most obvious one, to come and pray, to build a daily prayer life and to come into the presence of God and hold God's word over situations, believing for people to get breakthroughs. The whole church is called to be intercessors. It's a bit of a... I had searched the Bible a little while ago. I actually couldn't find a ministry... Uh, isolated around some people just called to be intercessors. I found actually we're all called to pray. So why don't we take up the challenge of prayer? Praying and building intimacy with God and then praying for situations, not pleading with God, but holding God's promises over it. I'm going to share some keys on prayer uh, at another session when we talk about how to be a king and to govern, you govern through prayer. And that's where the two ministries come together. We have to learn how to step up in prayer so we start to have an abundance flowing in our life to give to others. You are a priest. Make yourself available to God. Start to develop gratitude and praise. Begin to build it into your life so it's all around your life. And what will happen is you'll shut down negativity everywhere. You won't be able to stand it because you'll feel the spirit behind it. See? And then why don't you begin to work on that area of just doing good. Today, rather, I make my life, I thank you, bring into my life today people I can bless, people I can help, people I can sow into. Lord, I thank you, open my eyes to make me aware. I see people today that you've called me to bless. I'm not going to bless everyone. I'm going to bless the ones you call to me. I'm asking you, open my ears to know the difference between people who are just a distraction and people you sent for me to bless. 
And the idea is he can pray these things. And Father, today I bring my finances into divine order. I make my resources available, whatever you call upon at any time. You want my house for hospitality or my car. You want to be able to use uh, finances I have. Lord, I make it available to you today. Lord, I give you the first fruits, but Lord, really, in reality, it's all available to you. And now, Lord, I just thank you. I'm just praying for this person and this person. I'm holding your word over their life. Man, what a privilege. Come into the presence of God, carry the presence of God, minister blessing to people. This is your great privilege. You are a priest of God. Okay, you don't need the fancy robes. Why don't you need the fancy robes? Because Jesus already given you better ones. So you've got to realize you got them on. Come along and you stand up inside. Thank you. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I boldly come into the throne room of God because I'm welcome and accepted and I love you and start to enjoy being in his presence. Amen. What amazing grace that we'd be called to such a great ministry. Why don't we stand and sing that song, Amazing Grace. I, want to, I believe there's some people here today, God wants to heal you. You've got sickness in your body. Please come up. We want to pray for a miracle of healing for you, uh, a breakthrough in your body, a breakthrough for sickness. Every week we need to believe God for miracles. So as we sing Amazing Grace, you have a need for a breakthrough in your life somewhere, financial breakthrough. Perhaps it's a breakthrough in physical area, breakthrough from oppression. Once you come and let's believe God together that He will minister to you. Are we ready? Come on, fly under the song together.